Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Dawn Sadler. I'm so excited to share this episode with you because today I'm talking to a Christian venture capitalist. That's right. Chris Conant is Managing Director of the Monmouth Society, a company with a mission to connect Christian investors to companies that have a shared vision of kingdom impact. Chris started the Monmouth Society after successfully starting, building, and selling three advertising agencies. As an accomplished CEO, Chris talks about how to create a culture based on kingdom principles, the power of investing in kingdom-minded businesses, and advice for business owners that are just starting out. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Chris online at donsadler.com slash 032. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by Avidah Christian Coaching. We give business owners, career professionals, and ministry leaders the tools they need to create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to walk in their calling with greater clarity and confidence. Sign up for our free weekly coaching emails at avidacoaching.com slash subscribe. And now, let's meet Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you for uh, allowing me to be here today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I always like to share a little bit with our listeners about how we got connected, how I got connected with a guest, because I think it's really fun to see what God does (laughs) in connecting people. And you actually sat down with my husband, who uh, is over operations at our church, Liberty Church, and he came home just so excited about meeting you and about the work that you're doing and uh, said, I had to have you on the podcast. So um, that's high praise. But um, just take a moment and share with our listeners and me, because I'm hearing this for the first time, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure thing. Well, um, you know, just a a little bit about me. Uh, My name is Chris Conant. I'm currently the uh, managing director of the Monmouth Society. Uh, And that is a, uh, we effectively help uh, kind of serve a need and the gap that we see going on in the Christian business realm. And that is that, um, you know, when we took a look at, uh, how many unbelievers there are in the workplace compared to, for example, how many unbelievers there might be in a church on any given Sunday, uh, we realized that the difference is just absolutely incredible. Our research showed that Christian CEOs at large have, 840 times more unbeliever mindshare than a pastor might get on any given Sunday. That is significant. And then, and we looked at that and went, then that means that the Christian CEO is probably the most underserved and misunderstood U S missionary today. And, uh, (laughs) and that just set us on course for, um, for uh, building uh, effectively a a uh, structure that allows us to fund um, the Christian CEO around their efforts and and uh, really help us to have an impact on their cultures, uh, their employees, their suppliers and vendors by rallying around them. Um, so we have a company that supports them with intercession. Uh, peer advisory, and capital resources to actually accomplish the vision that God has given them. 
So this really hits so squarely in um, in what we so often talk about, because I often say that the workplace, whether you're the CEO or the person answering the phones or anywhere in between, it is the greatest mission field any of us will, most of us will ever know, right? Um, just in talking even to people in the on the podcast, the movie producer who is, you know, in Hollywood and in all of these places, just what you said, um, which is about um, which is about reaching people who do not yet know Christ and what that looks like. And I feel like there has been such uh, such an awakening and even like I, I am reluctant to use the word revival, but it almost feels like a revival-like atmosphere in what God is doing in the workplace. Do you see that in in what you're doing? Oh, I 100% agree that God is absolutely on the move right now. I yeah. think that, um, you know, I'm trying to put it in some context around maybe something like a seven mountain strategy. And if your yeah. listeners have never heard of that before, it's just, you know, that we can have influence over culture in seven major spheres. And of course, family, government, education, arts and media. Well, one of those is business. And when I look at the business sphere and I think about, well, how do, you know, how do we as believers have influence over culture? And I think it comes, um, it comes from the workplace. And if I can just give a little backstory on that, it has to do with um, you know, I used to be a CEO for about 20 years and, uh, and I, I built, uh, ran and sold, uh, three agencies, ad agencies, um, which is my, my background. And then I did a lot of investing on the side, but, um, but during that time, you know, my, my role, I felt started in relationship evangelism, just simply practicing in the workplace, a connection with an unbeliever that I was spending a lot of time with during the day. And during that, that time, just making little deposits in their life, letting God open the relationship and grow. And that led to me understanding that there is a bigger thing at work here that God is doing, and it's called kingdom in business. And um, we can talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Let's... Um... Talk to me a little bit about relationship evangelism, because that's something we talk about a lot on the podcast. Um, I feel like there's some conflicting views where some people say, um, you know, that looks like absolutely having people accept Christ right there in the cubicle. Other people saying, you know, just what you're saying is this um, relationship evangelism, that sometimes you're planting seeds, sometimes you're moving them a little bit closer to God. Sometimes you're just demonstrating with your life what's possible in God. So talk to me more about this concept of relationship evangelism at work. Sure. Let me, uh, let me give a scripture there for the listeners that take a look at first Corinthians three, eight, where, where it speaks about how both the planter and the sower, or sorry, the, the sower and the, and the harvester, each will receive his own reward. Each will receive a reward. So when we talk about salvations, you know, a lot of times people get up in church and we're clapping, you know, for that salvation. But what about the person who, you know, people are on a continuum coming to Christ. What about the person who had an opportunity to move or, or, or was participating in someone moving from a minus seven to a minus five? You know, they're, they're not there yet, but, but they had influence in that. And I believe that there's a reward for that person. And that's where we're very, uh, relationship evangelism really fits. So I practiced for a lot of years and still do, um, just in a scenario where I just, I never felt that I had to insert 
God into the conversation, but I let God unpack it. And that allowed me to just have a Holy Spirit relationship, be very obedient to God. And when he was prompting me to, you know, take this person out to lunch or um, spend some time with this person, there are ways to get to know people that start with sometimes, you know, just conversations about opinions. And then eventually, how about asking them what their religious background is like? Hey, I don't know much about your religious background. Tell me about yourself. And you should start there before you even enter into a gospel conversation, I think. Um, you don't have the compelling nature of, of uh, needing to insert everything in, in a five-minute conversation. You can, you're with them every day, and, and it's very important that you, you build the relationship um, in the process of getting to know this person. And guess what? When you're their friend, you will eventually earn the right to be heard. And guess what happens when your friend is having a hard time or going through it? They're going to remember the the joy that they feel around you, the, the fragrance that you put off in the Lord, the the connection that you have to being a great listener. And they're going to come to you for advice, and they're going to be open as a door to be able to now share, you know, some scripture or something or a connection to God that they don't have. Can you talk to me? I think all of that is exactly right. Can you talk to me a little bit about the nuance of being a CEO in that position? I think that what you're saying, a lot of our listeners who maybe are not in um, a leadership role can understand that from like a peer relationship. But as a CEO, when you start talking about their religious background or their faith, you know, their faith story, talk to me a little bit about the nuances of that as a leader specifically. Okay, sure. So, um, so obviously, uh, I started my companies, but I had, I had peer relationships enough with, uh, some of the folks that I worked with, some of the subcontractors, you know, CEOs have relationships with bankers. There are plenty of places to still practice that even as a leader. So I think the same applies in that instance to both peer relationships, whether you're you know, a mid-level manager or you're, you're a leader or a CEO of a company. So first of all, I just want to say that relationship evangelism can be practiced. The second, though, is let's talk about the stewarding of, of, of kingdom into the culture. That, that may feel a little different because, um, because while the mid-level manager is practicing relationship evangelism, the leader has the responsibility of also stewarding a culture, and sometimes it's um, sometimes it, it it works, sometimes it doesn't. You kind of really got to get a sense of what God is doing here. But you know, some people kind of look at it like, well, they're the boss, and you know, I kind of want to do what they want me to do. And you know, you get the awkward relationship between the employee and the employer. Um, and so, in that in that kind of instance, I've I've certainly been in situations like that, and I've I've actually brought in chaplains, uh, marketplace chaplains or corporate chaplains into that instance, which kind of gives that nice buffer in between. Now, that's an instance where think about it. I'm able to steward the culture, so I have the uh, I guess the capability and the permission and the authority to hire a chaplain into that situation. But the chaplain gets to serve the role now, coming say once a week for a few hours, makes the rounds. How's every, how are you doing? How are things going? And they just kind of know that this chaplain is part of the culture and part of us just being there for people. And that allows for a, a, a different person to, to steward the relationship evangelism 
in that moment. And so I think it, it does work out. And I hope I'm touching on the nuances that you're thinking about. Yeah, I'm curious about this idea. I've actually, I'm not, I am not familiar with the idea of a corporate chaplain. So tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, so there are two major uh, organizations in the country. One's called Marketplace Chaplains. One is called Corporate Chaplains of America, mm-hmm. and they um, uh, they work with Christian CEOs who want to um, create uh, an environment inside of their culture that honors God. And part of that is includes um, stewarding. Um, uh, productive employees. Right. And, and that can come in the form of a chaplain, uh, perhaps taking on the responsibility of making some rounds and they meet somebody and they're struggling with their marriage and they could be praying for that person, give advice to those people, um, pray for those people, provide resources for those people. And, um, and generally there's a kind of an anonymous report that gets pushed up to the CEO that gets to see, you know, this week we had, um, three people that were struggling with their marriages, two gave their life to Christ. You know, it's just, it's really neat. It kind of, sh- it kind of gives the eternal rewards and the, that it gives that purpose filled component to the CEO to go, that's why I started the company, right? It's all gods and people are getting touched. So talk to me, so I think all of that's really fascinating. Talk to me a little bit about obviously, um, when you are the CEO, you're in charge of creating that culture. And so a big part of creating culture is hiring process and the kinds of people that are a good fit for the culture that you want to create. And um, we don't hire people based on religion, obviously. So talk to me a little bit about when you have that kind of intentionality in your business, how do you approach hiring for that culture? Well, um, I've usually hired the best man for the job. Yeah. So, um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, in my employment previously, I've had, you know, other faiths. I've had Mormons and Muslims and, and, uh, I've even had uh, gay and lesbian in my companies before, but I've also like in my style, I've just always felt like I want the leadership and those kind of near authority. I, I like that that they align, you know, with the values of the culture. If you kind of think about it, the values are going to attract the people that want to work there. Right. Right. And so when they come in and they kind of get the vibe, it's like they, they will, they will put their best foot forward on whether they, you know, want to work there. And the way I see it from the opposite side of the apple is to look at it and go, well, then they're attracted to the Holy spirit. And -hmm. if they're attracted to the Holy spirit, then maybe God is drawing them there for a reason. Now, that puts me in more of an evangelistic mode. Um, I'm not in any way saying that, you know, if you have a staff that are all believers, there's a reason to do that too. Like say, for example, you run a nonprofit ministry, right? A, right. a Christian ministry, you kind of have to do that. Um, well, I'm, we're familiar with some companies that uh, kind of aim for that as well. And that's okay because of the type of work that they do or the, the type of service that they're in. It makes sense. So um, I don't really have an opinion on one way or the other, but I do think that it all is driven by the purpose and the values of the company. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, that was all really good background. Thank you. Talk to me a little bit about this uh, kingdom business and what you're seeing and what you're working towards and what you're believing for with the work that you do. 
Okay. So I mentioned already that, um, you know, we have this massive mission field in the workplace, right? 840 times more unbelievers in the workplace than in, a, in any church on a given Sunday, which does make sense. Um, but you're also looking at the amount of time, too, that they're spending there is, is exorbitantly more. Um, in addition, uh, we've looked at how many, how many Christian CEOs are there in the country, um, and it turns out that through, uh, uh, we had a friend in the White House help validate our statistics on this, but we found that there's about, uh, we're calling it 459,000 Christian CEOs in this country uh, that are employing more than 10 employees that have, um, that, are, that are at least church going. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's more than just identify as a Christian. They're actually church going. So that's a significant number. And of that, this is an important statistic, is only about one and a half to two percent of them are actively engaged in some form of peer advisory, meaning a Christian CEO group. And those are groups like Convene, C12, FCCI, CEO Forum. Um, There's lots of those kinds of groups, but surprisingly, only one and a half percent, maybe maybe two percent are actively engaged in those kinds of groups. That means that there's like 98% of Christian CEOs are out there alone, um, orbiting the earth like a satellite, right, with no support structure. And I know for a fact that it's hard to be a CEO. It's hard to, um, you know, be on for sales and vision and stewarding culture. And, oh, I have two families. I have one at home and one at work. And, you know, it's it's a big deal. And then you add on that, the Christian component where I'm, you know, God's in and through my company and I have this spiritual responsibility for leadership. At least I feel that way. Um, you know, maybe I should read the Bible more. Maybe I should be on for, you know, hearing God and just being more attentive to those things. And it's, it's a burden. It's heavy. It's heavy. Now Mm. I, I was about to say it's a burden it doesn't have to be a burden. Um, but I think that if you're alone, it could be a burden. And I think that is a challenge and it just breaks my heart. So what we said is what do CEOs need to really thrive? What Christian CEOs, what, what do we need to have an impact on culture as well? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I would talk to investor friends of mine and they would say things like, you know, I don't like the direction that our country's going. And I would ask them, well, where, where are you invested? It's like one of my first questions. And they're like, well, I have like a 401k and, it's invested in these stocks. And I would say something like, well, you realize that those stocks, those companies have values that are in direct opposition to yours and they support organizations that actively oppose your values. And the, and it's, forgive me, it's not a judgment. It's just that they do kind of look at me like, well, what can I do? Like, where can I go? There are a few um, groups out there that do biblically responsible investing. There are some like mutual fund kinds of things that, you know, don't invest in thing in groups that support, you know, addictions or porn or alcohol or gambling and those kinds of things. But, um, but what we do is we just kind of took it a step further and said, we need to align that kingdom minded investor who wants to think about how can I participate in God's expanding kingdom in the workplace and how can we also fulfill the needs of this, you know, lonely sort of CEO that needs champions around him. And he's got this incredible opportunity to steward the gospel into his culture 
or her culture. So we just, we, Mondo Society, our company, we just, we dropped right into the gap there. And we said, this is what we can do. We can, we can align those two together. And as I said, surround the Christian CEO with intercession, peer advisory and capital resources. And it also aligns the investor to them, which is now excited about their values and maybe praying for that CEO as well as, um, you know, participating in advisory capacity. So you have essentially two customers. You're in the middle between the investor and the CEO. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And so you go and you, um, you, you find and you identify the companies that you believe would provide the best return that are aligned with, uh, they're Christian and aligned with Christian values, correct? Yeah, that's good. And it's called, that's called private equity. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the world that I'm in. The difference being that the worldly version of private equity is that a lot of those kinds of companies take, take money and they also take a pound of flesh, you know, from the CEO, yeah. meaning they take a big chunk. Um, we're more interested in yes, making strong financial returns. And I can discuss that in a minute and tell you that we have very intelligent managed managers along with, with me and what we're doing. Um, we, select great companies that we do diligence very hard and we do look for an eternal component to it as well. Um, so if we are, if we are active in that arena, I I just want to tell you that the, the Jews are, do this well. I mean, if a young entrepreneur in the temple wanted to start a company, he, he would probably go to the elders who would become his investors and his board of advisors. The Mormons do this well. The Catholics do this well. Even the Muslims have a giant um, Muslim Sharia fund to start Muslim businesses. And so my question is, where are the believers? Right. Right. Let me ask you, you have so much that I want to dive into, but I'm just dying to ask you this question because I think about, you mentioned the 459,000 Christian CEOs who have 10 plus employees. If you add to that the Christian business owners who don't have 10 plus employees, then, you know, the, the number is much higher. Um, I talk to a lot of business owners who struggle with the idea of building wealth through their company. Is that something that you ever run into in the CEOs that you work with, or is that just not something that, that you see? Um, I can only, I I can probably say that, uh, when you say struggling with building wealth, I assume you're speaking to a, a small, um, uh, company or like a, a startup or someone who doesn't have a lot of business experience. Is that what you're kind of referring to? Yeah. I actually even see it with people who have some employees, probably not the 10 plus employees. So again, you may not, you may not deal with this, but helping people sort of biblically reconcile the stewardship of business as a sacred and holy part of their calling. Yeah. So look, if, if, um, if you're asking, you know, what kind of advice would I give to someone in that stage of their business? I would mm-hmm. say that um, it has to go along the lines of just be very obedient to the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. You have a very unique structure in that you're small, but ask the Lord for vision. Ask the yeah. Lord to open doors. Expect that expect that you'll open doors. You you walk in authority. You walk in the blood of Christ. I mean, there's nothing that can overcome you. And so I just want to encourage that, that entrepreneur to just keep, keep pressing forward. Um, now the, the business sense of it is 
um, finding other places to go to get advice. Um, one group I might recommend is look into um, FCCI. The only reason I'm mentioning it because they have small chapters around the country that you can join. I think it's very reasonable if I recall, I, hopefully I'm not mistaken here, but I think it's about 50 or a hundred dollars a month. Um, that might be a reasonable amount to, to just connect in with other Christian CEOs. And when I say CEOs in this case, I'm saying owners, which could be an owner of a single company. I mean, a one person company. So it's just being in that, that peer advisory would really help with the business component of what you're looking for. A lot of business owners, their best friend is, is like the senior pastor or something of their church. And while I agree with that and it, and it works, you know, for, um, certainly spiritual fulfillment, I think that there's some business questions and business issues that also need to be addressed. So there's a, there's a learning process there that needs to happen. There's also kind of a ceiling, you know, as you're growing and you're growing, you're trying to break through that million dollar ceiling. That's, that is a challenge as well. Um, and I do have some things to say about that. I'm not sure if that's on this call or another one. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. We'll return to my interview with Chris Conant in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Avada Coaching, giving Christian business owners, career professionals, and ministry leaders the tools they need to create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals so they can walk in their calling with greater clarity and confidence. You can download our free daily planning tool, The Peak Page, at avadacoaching.com slash peak. And now... Back to my interview with Chris. Okay, so I would just say then that for that for that particular person, um, one of the questions that comes up is tithing. You know, should I tithe on my business? First of all, I want to say you should be tithing um, because I believe that that is uh, expected and that is the component of a generous person, and it's also um, it's also a way that God can see that He can trust you. Mm-hmm. Um. That, you know, some, I've, I just recently had a, a friend who owns a landscape company and it's got like four employees and he just said, I I've been tithing on the business. And I'm like, you know what? You need to look at it more like you need to, this is my opinion. Okay. But I, I believe that, that you tithe on what you actually pull as salary or pull as bonus. That's what you tithe on. What's in your company is meant to continue to grow the company, um, because you do have to reinvest it into trucks and equipment and more people. And, um, so, you know, be, be considerate of that. Um, of course, I'm not stopping you from hearing the Holy spirit. If he wants you to do something special and buy lunch for your people or, you know, help someone out, I think that's appropriate, you know, to come from the business. Um, but maybe, maybe your business is more a a place where you can do some offerings from and just make sure that you're tithing out of anything that you're taking personally. Um, another thing is just to be really aligned with your spouse on what you're doing. The, the spouse of an entrepreneur is a, is a special calling. Um, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, my wife has just really stood with me through the years as I've been, um, very busy and very focused on, you know, having to build the company while also having a family life. And it's, it is a, it's a different breed of people. It's, Kind of reminds me of Bezalel in the Old Testament. I think it's Exodus 35 and 36. Here's a man who 
it's the first time the Holy Spirit fell on someone in the Old Testament, and they were give, he was given wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and the ability to manufacture, and the ability to do arts and crafts. I'm just like, man, this guy is multi-skilled. Reminds <laughs> me of that. That's the entrepreneur right there, like yeah. 60 hours a week of work, you know, 80 yeah. hours a week. But, you know, you got to find the balance. And so we just really push uh, entrepreneurs toward just make sure that you're also leaving margin in for family and building that because you got to think about, yes, there is a purpose in what you're doing. Um, there is there is wealth creation. I believe that spending time with the Lord is incredibly key, and that means resting. Um, using your Sunday as a true Sabbath, get your marching orders for the next, for the whole next week from God. He will shortcut your processes. He'll put to mind the people that you need to call. I'm telling you, submit your business to the Lord. And uh, it's like, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all the things will be added to you. That's brilliant. Did you go through personally with the three agencies that you started, built, and sold, which is incredibly impressive? Did you go through really difficult times in your business? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I was looked up and wondered where our next project was going to come from, and I, I think at the time I had 12 on my, um, you know, to pay for salaries. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, those those times were tough, and I believe that the Lord showed up in, in mighty ways. Um, we, we literally prayed in checks. We, we prayed in revenue. We prayed in employee issues, you know, to, to deal with. Um, uh, you know, just fit, if you're um, curious about one story that I would mm-hmm. you like me to yeah. tell. Okay. Yes, please. So, um, uh, I mean, this one time I remember this is um, – late nineties. Um, we were working on some dot com projects and I, as I said, I looked up one day and went, Oh my gosh, I haven't been selling, you know, where our project's going to come from. And I think it was around December and I went to this event to go and see if I can drum up some business. And there were a bunch of, um, I was, I was, uh, of course running an agency doing front end web design and a lot of it companies at the time were interested in, in designers because we had the leads, you know, that would end up becoming it projects for them. So this guy was saying, you know, we should partner up. And I was like being a little sarcastic. And I was like, well, if you, if you are really interested in, in our business, you should just buy me out. <laughs> I said, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's just, you know, it's like, that's the partnership of the designer and the technology, you know, coming together. That's, that's the direction that this industry is going. And of course it did. Um, and so I literally got a call two weeks later and he said, you know, I was thinking about what you said. And, um, I talked with my owner and he's interested in coming to talk with you. Um, Mm. my, I put it before the Lord and my company was sold within two months. Wow. And I thought it was going a different direction. Hmm. So that was, um, that was a sale that we made. It was, it was great. It, um, it, I, I, I was free from debt. I had a great midlife boost. I bought a house, you know, I just, it was, it was good. And it set me on a trajectory for like, Ooh, I got a taste of what God does, you know, with business. And yet at the same time, it's like my heart is conflicted. Cause I'm like, and yet I had this great culture, you know, that I had, mm. that I had started to build and, um, and share my faith within it. So, um, so I started, you know, number two, 
that's that's an that's that's what an entrepreneur does you know you you know i went on to the second one and built it better so anyways yes i've had my challenges and and uh, some things you know turn out not the way that you think that they're going to but you know i'm i'm on a i'm on a pathway with the lord just as much as the next person yeah I want to talk a little bit about fundamentals and how you approach fundamentals when you when you look at companies. But before I do that, I want to ask, what do you think the church can do better to support Christian business owners? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked. Remember, I was talking about that seven mountain kind of strategy. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the mountains is the church mountain. You know, that's a way that we can influence cultures through the church. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we've sent out missionaries through the church mountain really well, but you know, it's never really been thought of like, well, how, how do we send them out through the business mountain, you know? Um, and I'm going to posit to your listeners that that's, that's the Christian CEO. And I would even add that it's, it's, it's all of us that are in the workforce on a daily basis, bringing our faith into it. Right. So <clears throat> the church is filled with us, you know, but it also has this kind of concept. I was just reading in a Barna report and I, I don't have the exact data, but I'm just going to summarize my, my takeaway is that people still believe that missionaries are sent out kind of through the church. Like that's the way to do it. And, um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to propose here that if they could, if business people or, or people who take their calling seriously, which looks like it's about 28% of Christians take their Christian purpose at work very seriously. If you're that kind of a person, whether in a CEO capacity or just and as an employee, partner with a prayerful person in the church. That is like a king and priest model. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's a pow- yeah. that's powerful right there. Start praying into um, the business. You know, pray for the relationships. Pray for the success of the company. Think about it. As believers, we should be dominating every sphere of society. I mean, we have the God. <laughs> we have God, the Creator of the universe you know, on our side, so to speak. Right. And, and just imagine that we should be doing things with excellence. Everything that we do should be incredible. We should have had the the Facebook and the Google ideas. Right. You know, right. Yes. So let's bring that back and let's do that through intercession by partnering with the church to really come around those who are in the mission field, which is the workplace. I love that idea. You know, uh, the, church that I belong to at Liberty there, they have a business ministry and it's the first church I ever belonged to that had that. And I think that's great. But I also love this idea of a dedicated team of intercessors in the church who pray specifically because the word says, right, we are, the church is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So um, to have I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when people ask for prayer around work, it's about getting a new job or a difficult meeting, but just really expanding our faith for what God can do and wants to do in our businesses, in our careers, um, in our ministry, but just to have an entire team of intercessors dedicated to business seems like it'd be a really great first step if a church is looking for ways to equip, equip people in business, right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if you, of course, if you think about it as, you know, whether employee or leader in the company, you, you have a calling and a purpose and you, how, how can you not go into your work and say, God, God put me here for a purpose, you know? Right. Right. 
So talk to me a little bit about um, the fundamentals that you look for in a company. I'm curious about your position on what is a healthy company, not just, um, you know, obviously, you know, numbers and things like that, but also culture. What to you do you look for to find those companies that are worthy of investment? Okay, so... um you know, first of all, we've, uh, we have a really large network of deal flow, as we would call it. So people coming to us saying, I, you know, I have a company that you guys might be interested in looking at. Um, we also, um, uh, I, if I could mention on the broadcast, we have a website that if someone is needing capital, they can also go to our website. Um, I guess we can mention it, monmouthsociety.com, M O N m o u t h society.com so they're welcome to come and and kind of apply so the kind of criteria that we're looking for the fundamentals um you have to understand that we are what we do is even a little controversial right because someone might say well why aren't you investing in non-believers you know and my answer to that is that's just not our particular company's calling we've decided to stand in the gap between the kingdom-minded investor and the kingdom-minded business run by a Christian CEO. And so we're going to look to that CEO to become the agent of the agent to carry the gospel into that culture. So our farther reaching look is into that culture. That's, that's where the unbelievers are. The, that's where, you know, we want to see an attraction uh, to unbelievers is, is in that culture that's behind that. And that could, when I say culture, I'm using it loosely, like, yes, it's the employees, but it can also be the vendors, suppliers, you know, communities that those CEOs serve. So, um, so that is, you know, I guess I would call it some maturity, you know, on behalf Mm -hmm. of the CEO, I would also say, um, someone who kind of makes these statements, like I'm all in for Christ, or, or they would make a statement like God owns my business. I've heard it that said that way. Um, those kinds of statements are like indicators for us that this is someone that we may want to look for. Now I'm giving you the spiritual kind of component first. And then of course on the due diligence side, that's a whole nother, uh, piece of it where it has to be, um, we look for companies that are, we look for a few startups. Um, we have a number of existing companies, and as well, we look for even real estate, um, you know, as part of our portfolio mix. And you might say, well, why real estate? What does that have to do with the CEO? It, it kind of doesn't. But remember, I told you that our, our end goal is that community that's behind the CEO. And, mm-hmm. and multifamily apartment units have communities. And we can put a chaplain in that community as like an apartment manager. And they can do barbecues and, right? And they can still have yeah. an impact on that culture. Well, guess what? When when you have a community forming in a multifamily that's really strong, it it creates retention. And guess what that does to the bottom line? It you know actually creates a better ROI um, than having to go find people to take over you know apartments that are vacant. So it's interesting how when we practice these biblical principles in the workplace, that they can have very successful financial results. Um, let me add one more thing to the due diligence. You know, we do, uh, inside of our website, we have a list of criteria that we would be needing or would look for. Um, it's a bit extensive because we really want to screen the, the group. Um, we're going to look really heavy to the management team 
and see, look at their ability in being able to run a company successfully, grow a company. We're going to look at their experience. Um, we're going to look at the market that they're in, the, um, the potential, the sales contracts that they have, the recurring revenue streams, the new revenue streams, the uses of the capital that we might supply, what would that be used for? Um, hopefully those kind of give you a sense of the kinds of things that we look for. And is your, um, do you have a strategy similar to other um, VC firms where the goal is to go public? Like what's the end goal for, or is it more of an ongoing relationship? Tell me a little bit about that. You know, really interesting conflict for us, isn't it? Because we're all about building the culture and yet what does that say if we take a company public? <laughs> so, right. um, so what we've done is just be, really, Don, the best way I can say it is just listen to the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, sometimes, well, the word says that, uh, God calls the things that are not as if they are. And he also confounds the wisdom of this world. So sometimes we think that we're kind of doing one thing and the Holy Spirit may speak to all five of us managers unanimously and we kind of go a different direction. So, but I will answer it this way is that we do have, we have one company right now that is, that stands to go public. Um, but it turns out that they are a smaller company that happens to be predominantly or almost all believers in that company. So it's kind of like, well, what is their impact in that particular situation? It is a financial return that will provide income for a lot of things. And if I can speak, speak it here, I'll say that most private equity firms do take a large amount we are taking a smaller percentage proportionately to what other VC firms might take um, in them. And when we do get a return, even of course to our investors, but even the management company inside Mamoose society, we get a little bit too. We normally that cut is pretty significant to the VC firm. In our case, um, we give well over half of that into donor advised funds, which go back to, invest into either our structure or the ministries that are used in the marketplace, you know, to accomplish our goals. So I think we're really unique. This, this was our outstanding opportunity to do something incredibly different. And uh, we believe that this is a God vision and we're, we're on the path to execute it. Yeah. If somebody was interested from an investor standpoint, if they wanted to, to invest money with you, what, what are some of the things that they should know up front? Well, it's, um, first of all, that they are making some biblical responsible investments with us, um, mm -hmm. which should be really pleasing to them. Second is that, um, we have very, very good returns that are outperforming, um, even stock market indexes. Um, we also do, of course, those are our historical results. Um, and I can't guarantee future returns. I always have to say that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. but the, uh, we have a fantastic, um, and very accomplished, um, due diligence team, mm -hmm. um, as well as, um, advisors who are supporting, uh, the companies that we invest in. Um, we also are fulfilling a large role in our, um, just in Christianity and business in general, one of those is the retiring baby boomers. Uh, those that, you know, we have one company that comes to mind right this moment that he's, you know, I think he's in his seventies. He was kind of said, this is, um, you know, if we really run it, run the course, but, um, but I have this incredible godly culture. 
my kids don't want the business and I don't want to just sell it off to a secular private equity firm or VC. So Monmouth society was a great fit, you know, for that particular scenario. Uh, we took a 70% interest. He still has 30% still comes in on Fridays, you know, that kind of thing. But, but, um, but it worked out really well. So, um, kind of give you the sense of how we, how we might do that. That's amazing. What else? Um, in just a moment, we're going to wrap up with our final five uh, questions. But before we do that, what else do you think is important for people to know about kingdom and business that we haven't covered yet? I just think don't, just don't dismiss it um, as something light. I, I want to encourage those who've ever had a stirring that is inside of them to be in business and God is in business. And if you've ever heard that um, work is worship, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of these come into play. This is a, this is a calling when you, when you accepted Christ, you know, you were saved and guess what? He has a plan for your life <laughs> and I'll call that an assignment. <laughs> and I think that assignment is to bloom where you grow and, mm-hmm. uh, and you're, you're in the workplace right now to have an impact for Christ. And I think that there are a tremendous amount of resources around. It's just that we've, I don't think that believers have done it very well, but I think that God is moving as you indicated at the beginning of your segment. I completely agree. I think there's a wave of CEOs kind of waking up. I think there's a wave of movement through the workplace. I, I see doctrinal walls not existing in the workplace, which is exciting, um, you know, and, uh, and the gospel going forth. So I'm just encouraging everyone to just keep it going. Kingdom and business is a real thing. Yeah, and I would add to that that I think a movement that uh, that we see and I would like to see more of is a move in the church for greater equipping, greater resourcing coming out of the church. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we have a we have a business community here, and the miracles and the ways that I have seen God move through community, through people who gather and have a place to say in church, you know, what I need to grow my revenue thirty eight percent this year. Um, and, and not feel like they're, you know, that's not great or anything. It's just, you know, strictly those business conversations equipping. I would love to see more people on church staff that have a corporate background um, to sort of, you know, like you do, um, selling and building, selling and um, agencies. I think that kind of equipping is really important that, that more of that in the church as well. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been such a fascinating conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for three hours, but, um, but I know that, uh, uh, that, uh, it's time to wrap up. So I just want to go through and ask some questions that we like to ask, um, each guest, the first one, and this is just designed to further resource our listeners. So first is other than the Bible, what is one book that changed your life and why? Hmm. Okay. I'm going to say this not because I'm plugging it, but because it really did. And that is, um, uh, I told you that CEOs have challenges and burdens and, um, and, uh, we had a scenario in our life where, um, my wife had, uh, got MS, uh, during one of my businesses and things got progressively worse. Um, I don't want to give away the story, but it is a, it is a very hard and beautiful story that changed my life. Um, so we wrote it into a book called resurrection Monday mm, and uh, wow. I'll leave it at that. But our marriage was transformed. My relationship with God was transformed. 
Um, we experienced um, healing and resurrection. And um, how about that if I just leave you with a cliffhanger? That's amazing. And that's available on Amazon? It is, yeah. It's Resurrection Monday. Okay. And we will, just for our listeners, we're going to include links to your website and all these resources um, in the show notes. Tell me one podcast you're listening to now and why. Uh, funny. Um, so I uh, actually, a podcast just aired today that I was on that I listened to called I Work For Him. Uh, huh. So it's I, the letter I, work, W-O-R-K, the number four in him. And uh, so um, they have uh, topics that um, may be similar that your listeners could benefit from as well. And uh, I could see you even uh, being part of what they're doing. Um, but I'm also listening to a fun podcast called The Naked Marriage. Um, and that's just because I also want to keep, um, you know, my relationship with, uh, my wife, Nancy at the forefront, uh, of our life. And so we, we get a good laugh out of that one. And, uh, that's by Dave and Ashley Willis out of, um, uh, they podcast is out of, uh, gateway or, uh, sorry, um, marriage today, uh, out of, uh, Texas. Awesome. What's your favorite Bible verse and why? Okay, I have a hundred of them highlighted, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Luke 16.9 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke 16.9 is, uh, is powerful to me because, well, let me, uh, let me first say it, is make friends for yourselves with worldly wealth so that they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Mm. I think that's a great scripture for relationship evangelism. Of course, this is Jesus using a negative example to teach a positive principle where he says that this unjust steward was very wise and the master commended him for being shrewd. And you're just like, what? But it also sends, says the sons of this sons of this world know better how to do this than the sons of light. It effectively, you know, we people of the world know how to cut deals with other people better than Christians do. And I think the, that the parable of the unjust steward is powerful to realize that we need to use our wealth to make friends for ourselves and so that they can receive us into eternal dwellings so that they can be there when we get there, like this giant heavenly welcoming committee because of, you know, the effect that we had through relationship evangelism. Hmm, that's brilliant. Um, tell us the best business advice you ever received. Um, I'll give you two. One is mm-hmm. um, get an intercessor and a prayer partner. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's obvious, and we touched on that today. Number two is um, I would say uh, we didn't become accomplished on our own. Um, people ahead of us and God himself are holding the doors open. So mm-hmm. just remember that you don't have to make it happen. There are people that are ahead of you that are happy to open the door for you and keep it open so you can mm-hmm. walk through that's great. Um, I really like that. I, I'm sort of going between, typically this is where we ask for, um, for our guests to give advice. And I'm sort of between the question of what advice would you give to somebody who has a goal of getting financed, of getting VC funding? And the other one is what advice do you give to someone who just wants to create a, uh, a culture and a company that that glorifies God. So let's, I'm just going to give you both of those and you can tell me your thoughts. Okay. So let me answer the second one first. Um, what if someone wants to just create a culture? 
Um, I'm going to speak to the CEO and the employee at the same time and just mm-hmm. say, um, I would suggest, uh, reading a book that I'm trying to recall the name of right now. Um, oh gosh, I remember the first line in it. It's like, can you bake a cherry pie? So let me see mm-hmm. if I, if I can remember the rest of this, um, it's coming to me, um, Oh, it's called Gentle Persuasion. I'm glad mm. I remembered it. Gentle Persuasion. And okay. what it is is it's a, um, it's a book that just introduces you to the concept of, of being evangelistic in your relationships. So that's where the culture starts. Um, someone who is more advanced and already kind of lives that out, I would just, the advice I would give them is be incredibly obedient to the Holy Spirit and spend time yeah. with him. So that being said, let me answer your question about advice for someone who's starting a business and just kind of, you know, needs capital. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say prove your concept with friends and family money mm-hmm. first. So borrow, you know, from family, ask your friends to get behind you with your idea. Just kind of prove it out, get it going, start some small sales. It doesn't have to be massive. It just has to be proven. Um, just show them that it can be replicated, show like build process and kind of systems around what you're doing, what you're selling. Um, and then, and then you can kind of write a plan and pitch it, uh, to even more friends or, or you can, um, begin to take it to, you know, more wealthier individuals. Maybe there's a business person in the church, you know, you can meet with. Um, so that would be kind of like those who are just really starting out. Oh, there's also a great resource online I'm going to mention here. It's called the, uh, I think it is the Faith Driven Entrepreneur. And uh, while I have you on the line, I'm going to just verify that. Faith Driven Entrepreneur.org.org. Faith Driven Entrepreneur.org. And there's a number of resources on there as well for those that are just starting out. That's great. That's great. And then I also just think, just um, just to build on what you said, is um, your company provides intercession peer advisory and capital resources. And just to say that at any stage of business, whether you are, it's your first day, that that's intercession and peer advisory would be critical at for any business owner at any stage, right? Just that idea that you're not alone, you're not crazy, you've got some people around you and standing in the gap with you, would you say? Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And for those that um, need it, you kind of need to go in stages and start small and grow it up. And may I also answer a question you asked me before that I don't think I was uh, direct in answering? Yeah. That would be, you know, what do you want to do if you're an investor and you want to participate? I don't think I said very clearly that you would also go to monmouthsociety.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you go there, you kind of need to qualify yourself. Or, do I need capital? Am I an investor? Or do, am I just coming in as a friend, you know, like I want to be an intercessor or something? And so uh, when you, it's like a four-step registration process, and we did it that way, and we did not list it in Google, so it's not like you can Google us. Um, you got to just know it's... Monmouth, M-O-N-M-O-U-T-H, society.com. It's like four-step registration. We ask you to take a kingdom pledge with us to get behind Christian CEOs, and then the whole site will open up to you. So you kind of need to go through it first, and then we'll, we'll open it up. Interesting. Okay, awesome. And Chris, do you mind taking a moment and just praying over our listeners before we wrap up? Oh, I'd be delighted. Thank you for the honor. 
So, Father God, we come before you and uh, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the workplace. Um, You've really intentioned in our hearts to be purposeful with the people that we meet and those that you've put us in relationship with. And so I want to pray first for the um, employees that are in the companies. Um, I pray that their purpose would be realized. I pray that they would honor you. I pray that they would be seeking you out and asking you, Lord, um, how can I serve my uh, fellow employee this week? Um, Lord, give them resources, unexpected uh, bonuses. Give them favor in their workplace. Uh, Lord, and I just pray that you would honor them in the, in the work that they do and let them look at it as a joy. Father, I also pray now for the CEO and uh, ask, Lord, that in their places of work, that they would create godly cultures, that they would invest time to be intentional with bringing kingdom into the workplace, that they would not be afraid of the world, but that they would um, accept the vision that you've given them. And uh, believe, Lord, that there is no obstacle that would stand in the way of that vision getting executed. So we just release from heaven um, the uh, resources that they need, the financial provision. Uh, We pray for their sales. We ask for checks to come in. We pray for uh, sales to be closed, um, timely payments to be made. We pray that you would settle lawsuits in their favor. God, uh, those things that... um, would would be challenging to them lord we pray that you would carry them through lord be there be there all be their tower that they can run into um and we pray lord that you would uh release them and uh, free them lord protect their marriages and their families god uh from the attack of the evil one uh and lord allow them to steward with wisdom uh what you've given them to do And we also pray the same for the investor, Lord, that um, in their lives, Lord, that you would just uh, cover them, Lord, with health, uh, release your healing into into their lives. I pray that their capital would be deployed and would have this incredible kingdom benefit that would not only uh, resource uh, the investor uh, with additional wealth, but God, also that that wealth would be turned around and used again for your kingdom. Uh, And so we pray blessings over all of these folks and uh, thank you for today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. That was an amazing prayer. Thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. Oh, it was really a joy. I really appreciate it. Bless you and all your listeners. I'd like to thank my guest, Chris Conant for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Chris online at donsadler.com slash 032. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by Avada Christian Coaching. Sign up for our free weekly coaching emails at avadacoaching.com slash subscribe. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening. <laughs>